Welcome to Integrative Conversations, hosted by the Academy of Integrative Mental Health. The Academy expands knowledge to professionals in the mental health community and beyond using a conscious, experiential, and evidence-based format. Our mission is to deliver comprehensive health and wellness to all by empowering personal and professional growth and confidence. To learn more, visit us at www.academyimh.com. I hope you enjoy this conversation. This is Juniper Owens, Director of the Academy and your host for today's conversation. Today we spoke with Christina Veselok, who is dedicated to saving and transforming lives through her work as a mental health nutritionist, specifically utilizing amino acid and nutrient therapy. In this conversation, Christina discusses her personal journey with nutrition and mood. She describes the mechanics of a starving brain and how to feed it to achieve optimal functioning, maximize therapeutic work, and for relapse prevention. Christina also shares about her training programs and the certification in amino acid therapy for addiction recovery and sustained mental health, which is a five-month training program starting in a few weeks, and she even has a special deal for our listeners, so stay tuned for that. As integrative mental health professionals, we firmly believe in the biopsychosocial spiritual framework that includes multiple layers and meets clients where they are at. We understand that nutrition is not a cure-all or one-size-fits-all intervention, but oftentimes mental health professionals are not sufficiently trained in the biological aspect of the framework, which includes nutrition and its effects on the brain and body. There is an abundance of research on nutrition and mental health, and it can be very confusing to sift through. In our integrative clinic, we found that many of our clients were struggling to understand what to eat and not to eat for their mood, as well as recognizing social-emotional factors that play a role in our diet, such as distorted eating, diet culture, food insecurity, etc. Check out our courses on nutrition and supplements for mental health. In these courses, we compile the most current evidence, case studies from our own practice, knowledge from a variety of integrative practitioners, and tons of resources, handouts, and guided practices that you can use and share with your clients. Please check out our website, www.academyimh.com, for more info. Also, we will share a discount code just for our listeners during the podcast, so stay tuned. And now... For our conversation with Christina Veselak on nutrition for addiction recovery. Christina T. Veselak is the founder and director of the Academy for Addiction and Mental Health Nutrition. She has been a licensed psychotherapist for over 30 years and currently provides online relapse prevention coaching and mental health nutrition to a wide variety of clients. Christina consults for supplement companies as well as IV detox programs and residential addiction treatment, helping them integrate this life-saving nutritional approach into their programs. She's an experienced public speaker and has presented it at conferences and trainings around the country. Christina is also a founding member and former, former executive director of the Alliance for Addictions Solutions a nonprofit organization which promotes the use of nutritional and other natural modalities to support repair of the addicted brain. 
Christina is committed to staying abreast of the rapidly growing science of integrative psychiatry and functional nutrition and biochemistry for mental health, and is passionate about sharing her knowledge with both the general public and professionals in the fields of addiction recovery and mental health treatment. You can see why Christina is a perfect uh, guest for this podcast. We are so excited that you're with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And I was excited when I discovered your company, the Integrative Mental Health Academy, because it goes hand in hand with my online school, the Academy for Addiction and Mental Health Nutrition, where I teach practitioners how to integrate um, the addicted brain, how to integrate nutrition, or what we call the third leg of the stool into both mental health recovery and addiction recovery. Yes. And I love the training and education you do. Obviously we're passionate about that. Then we're going to definitely dive into that in our conversation today. But first I'd really love to hear how you came to be passionate and work with both nutrition and mental health. Well, like most of us, I have my own story. And the first, I came into adulthood with major serious depression, major social anxiety, ADHD, PTSD, up the wahoo, you name it, I kind of had it. And so I was struggling. And in college, I had a very interesting experience where I had been in Switzerland for a whole summer, wonderful experience, and I was less depressed. And I just chalked it up to, hey, I'm in Switzerland for the summer, how cool. But then as soon as I got back to school, within a week or two, this hardcore depression just crashed down on me. And one day I was in the library, supposed to be studying, couldn't study, couldn't function, too depressed, crying. And I prayed. And I said, Lord, you got to do something here because I can't function. And I sat up and I dried my tears and I looked at the books in the cubicle that had been there when I walked into it that I'd been lying on. And the very top was a magazine, prevention magazine, one of the early editions of it. And it just so happened that it was open to an article on how food allergies and intolerances can cause mental health issues. And so it's too upset to do anything else. So I just read the article. And in the article, it mentioned how eggs, the top five food allergens in this country, even back then, and that was a while ago, um, included eggs and how eggs and susceptible people can make people can make them depressed. Well, I thought back in that summer in Switzerland, for whatever reason, eggs was not on the menu. I basically had not eaten one egg the entire summer. And I come back and I'm eating eggs for breakfast every morning at school because it was the healthiest thing on the menu. And in Switzerland, my depression was better, not gone, but better. Come back, it crashes in on me, makes me unable to function. So the article said it takes four days to get an allergen off out of your system. And so I completely 
anally avoided eggs for five whole days. And on day five, I woke up and my depression was manageable. Manageable. It wasn't gone. It was at the level it was in Switzerland, which was manageable. Wow. And that was the first time I realized that what we ate impacted our mood and behavior. That's a powerful story because it includes a powerful experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so from that, it sounds like you never looked back. I never looked back. And over the next, uh, I'd say 20 years, layer by layer, I identified all the drivers of my own depression. So eggs were one of them. It turned out that corn made me acutely suicidal. So I eliminated corn. I was gluten intolerant. That was what was creating my profound fatigue that I'd had all my whole life that made me too tired to engage socially. And then I was had some depleted neurotransmitters, tyrosine, which um, supports dopamine and norepinephrine, gave me more energy and drive and focus. And it also allowed me to socialize more. And then I brought in 5-HTP for the social anxiety and the generalized anxiety. And so that got better. I brought in fish oil, which also helped with energy and brightness. And then I brought in the final thing was borage oil. So in one of my favorite books, Seven Weeks to Sobriety by Joan Matthew Larson, she goes through all the different biochemical drivers of addictive disorders which can also be mental health disorders. And in it, she talks about people who have a lifetime depression from day one, that was me, that alcohol relieves temporarily, that was me. And in people who have either a Scandinavian or Gaelic background. Well, my father was from Denmark. And so I gave up beer. I was only drinking three quarters of a beer because a whole beer put me to sleep. But hey, I was looking for that to that forward to that three quarters of a beer all day, every day, because temporarily it made me happy, happy. I like being happy. So I switched out the beer for evening primrose oil, which I still take. And I've not been depressed for over um, 20 years now. Wow. And, and during this journey, when did your professional work with nutrition and mental health emerge? Near the beginning. So I became um, licensed as a psychotherapist in 1985. And my first job out of school was working with um, teenage alcoholic boys. And then I started a private practice where I was working a little bit with addiction, a lot with family members, a lot with adult children, a lot with codependency, all of that. But I was aware of how many people relapsed, of how hard it was for people to stay clean and sober. And... When I saw, I was just around age 30, 
And I saw a press release about this new nutritionally oriented treatment program opening. And I was fascinated by it and went and interviewed Julia Ross and her nutritionist. Now, Julia Ross, for those of you who don't know, has, is one of the first people applying nutrition to mental health and addiction recovery. And she did, has done a lot of work in amino acid therapy. And she's written a number of wonderful books, one of which is The Mood Cure, which is sort of a primer on how to use amino acid therapy, as well as The Craving Cure, which goes in much more detail about how to use amino acids to rebuild neurotransmitters for craving for sugar and all substances. It's an amazing book. Anyway, I was 30. I was very ill, barely functioning, and walk into her office meet her, very impressed, meet her nutritionist, very impressed, set up an appointment with the nutritionist. And that's how I started on my own healing journey. But I also learned everything Julia had to teach. I met with her rep who was selling her the amino acids. And then I became, got the same training that the nutritionist had because I was so impressed. And since then have been learning about functional medicine, studying under different people in the country, and bringing it all together into what I call mental health nutrition. That is amazing. And I love to hear how it all came together, not only personally for you, and you were really, you were doing these things that you were learning, you were, you were firsthand experiencing it, which is really um, something that we talk a lot about in integrative mental health with the models that we use is, is that it doesn't really do a lot of good. If you just read an article and then told your client to do it, it's a part of understanding your body and what you need and practicing it yourself. So I love that. And in that um, part of this, because you've been able to take so much of your knowledge, both personal, professional, all the places that you've worked and experiences you've had. And so you've been able to, um, I want to say, create a model of how you work with it and what has worked best with your clients. And in that, you say that an addictive brain is a starving brain. And we need to feed the brain first. So I would love to hear more about what is going on in the brain and body as patterns of addiction. Absolutely. Well, it's our brain's job to allow us to cope with stress gracefully. Okay, this is my motto. But to do that, it needs to be fed optimally. So our brain, like our whole body and every organ in our body, needs very specific nutrients in order to, first of all, stay alive, but beyond that, function optimally. And we actually know what those nutrients are, okay? We know the amino acids that build the neurotransmitters and our neurotransmitters are in mood mediators. We know the cofactors that are required, the vitamins, the minerals, um, the fatty acids, the omega-3s, the even cholesterol. For instance, fascinating fact that I teach my students as a little aside here, that when they've done big population studies of people with very low cholesterol levels, they find higher rates of suicide and homicide. Wow. 
Isn't that amazing? That, and and what, what, what are the theories around that of why that is? Because every neuron um, every in the brain is coated with certain fatty acids, including cholesterol. The myelin sheath of the neuron that coats the neuron and protects it is partly made out of cholesterol. So we, our brain requires cholesterol. It also requires the omega-3 fatty acids and some other things. So very low-fat diets are very mentally unhealthy for us because the brain requires these fatty acids. But cholesterol is also what we make all of our adrenal hormones out of and all of our reproductive hormones. So if cortisol is low, will be tired and depressed. If our estrogen and progesterone are low, we'll be all sorts of messy. And even if testosterone is low, men and women will be more tired, more lethargic, more depressed, and sometimes even more anxious. So it's a crucial nutrient. It's just that you can't talk the cardiologist into that. Yeah. And it sounds like what you're saying when you're feeding the brain and Mm -hmm. especially when the brain is starving for these nutrients that are creating or a part of the process of all these vital functionings that you're talking about, that it sounds like it's the right, like the, the idea is to get the right amount or this type of like, um, balance. Is that, yeah. Yeah, balance is key. And of course we have biochemical individuality. We're all different. So what's the right balance for you may be not the right balance for me. And so sometimes we have to do a little bit of trial and error. Sometimes we have to do some laboratory testing to figure all of this out. And sometimes it's really easy. Yeah, Yeah, those are what we want, right? (laughs) Yeah, we we do like the really easy. Can we get the like, oh, you have to just cut out caffeine. Great. But let me ask you this. So we had previously um, spoken and you mentioned the biopsychosocial spiritual perspective and that oftentimes, and so what I really appreciate about your work and respect is that you understand that the nutrition is a piece of the puzzle that, like you said, it's not going to solve all the world's problems necessarily, but it's part of it that needs to be addressed and looked at. So um, can you explain more about that? Yeah. And I actually was in a slightly frustrating LinkedIn conversation this morning with two addiction professionals because they were reacting to what I was saying as if I was saying food fixes everything, right? And no, food doesn't fix everything. Yes, there's early childhood trauma. Yes, we need social skills and life skills. Yes, we need a warm, connected, loving community. We need all these things. But unfortunately, in order to benefit from all of these things and even access them, we need a brain that's online. We need a functioning brain. This drives everything. Everything is mediated through our brain. And if our brain's offline, We don't engage well in therapy. We don't socialize well. We don't do all of these things. We can't engage in the recovery process optimally. Does that mean we can't do it at all? No, but we can't do it optimally. And optimally is optimum. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, and, you know, moving, going back to that integrative biopsychosocial spiritual piece is that the way that we approach integrative mental health is combining conventional, obviously with complementary, but the idea that it takes, um, it takes a, like something like I'm, I'm losing my words here, but something like like a really big toolbox that exactly pieces of the puzzle and noticing all those pieces. Right. And so in focusing, so, you know, just to make sure that we're prefacing that we understand that, you know, um, like racism, for example, can affect, you know, our bodies and minds and all of these things play a role. However, when we are doing what we can do to feed our brain, as you say, then it's creating space to be able to even process and engage in some of these other aspects of our lives. And in that, um, what are some of the key nutrients that are needed for optimal mental health functioning? And um, what are the best ways to get them? That's a big question. <laughs> okay. But the, I, I want to touch on something you just said first, and that is in my own recovery journey, um, yes, there were all of these nutritional layers that I needed to address to get my brain functioning properly. But I also had to do all of my PTSD work, right? And I did the inner child work and I did the EMDR and I did the somatic psychotherapy over years and I had to in order to get to where I am. But the thing is, is none of that actually took and made a real difference until I had fixed my brain, until my brain was getting the nutrients it needed and avoiding the foods it didn't need. Um, in order to function. And so, yes, I, I mean, I'm a trauma therapist. I've worked in the trenches for over 30 years. I absolutely believe in integrative psychotherapy, but your brain needs to be on board. And so one of the things that the brain needs is sufficient protein. So the protein does two things. First of all, the protein is the source of the amino acids from which our neurotransmitters are made. So we can get these amino acids from protein, which is what we recommend. But sometimes in early recovery, people need to jumpstart their system. They maybe aren't digesting and absorbing the protein really well initially. And so we can use the free form amino acids that you can buy over the counter, can buy online. What's amazing about amino acids is that they work. They turn into neurotransmitters within 20 minutes. 20 minutes. What uh, antidepressant works in 20 minutes, right? And they're anti-addictive. The reason they're anti-addictive is because with your mood-altering chemicals that are addictive, the way they work is by firing and then depleting your neurotransmitters. So over time, tolerance builds, and you need to take more and more to get the same effect. Well, amino acids are actually rebuilding those neurotransmitter stores. So over time, you get to take less and less to get the same effect, which is amazing and wonderful. And I've experienced that myself. What's also great about that is that it seems very client-centered. In the most part, many of the least clients I've worked with or people that I've heard from don't want to be on 
a medication and um, forever, even though sometimes that's part of our plan and that's okay. But what you're, what I love is that you're talking about rebuilding, strengthening and um, almost, and, and kind of a rather a prevention rather than a um, kind of a bandaid or a, it's the opposite of a bandaid. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because it gets down to the root cause to one of the root causes. And that is the starving brain. So some people have depleted neurotransmitters from birth because of genetic issues. There's something called reward deficiency syndrome, which I don't really want to get into now, but I teach in my course. That's one of the major genetic drivers of addictive and other behavioral disorders. Um, So that's the genetic piece. It could be people have been eating crap food their whole lives and just they never gave their brain what it needed to function fully. You know, no matter how hard parents try, sometimes kids will do just what kids will do, right? Um, so that can make a difference. But then once people become addicted, start using, get moving into this type of lifestyle, then people will very often stop eating optimally, sometimes stop eating at all. People, you know, later stage alcoholics will be drinking their meals rather than eating food. And so the addictive process itself can contribute to um, subpar nutrition, so malnutrition. And just a little side note here, in school, none of us were taught to ask our clients what they were eating, were we? Nope. Not at all. No, it didn't even occur to us to do it. So most of us, me included, I was just assuming that my clients were eating normally. Well, once you start asking your questions, asking clients the question of, well, what did you eat today? What did you eat yesterday? And even more importantly, when was the last time you ate protein prior to your craving, your slip? your incidence of violence or your panic attack, okay? When was the last time you ate protein prior? People were looking at me blankly. Well, I don't know. Or, well, it's three o'clock in the afternoon and I guess last night for dinner. Or, well, I eat really irregularly and I always have and I'm a, you know, I chronically relapse. I had one woman, she was in her fourth treatment program. It's where I first met her. And our very first session together, I was the relapse prevention counselor. I talked to her about hypoglycemia and how it's a medical disorder that can actually impact up to 95% of people with substance use disorders. And told her that missing a meal can set people up for relapse. And she said, she burst into tears. And she says, oh, that explains it. Okay, so this is a story that broke my heart. Fourth treatment program, a couple of months before she met with me, she had gone to a Wayne Dwyer lecture, right? Wonderful motivational speaker. This is before he passed. And it was all on recovery. In the middle of the lecture, she had the spiritual awakening and she recommitted herself, body and soul, to sobriety. 
And within two hours, she was drunk. Okay, she was drunk. And she's telling me this story in tears. And she said, I couldn't ever trust myself again. Because even that didn't do it. And I said, well, okay, let's back up. What did you eat that day? Well, it turned out she had a nice breakfast. But she worked through lunch. She didn't have a mid-afternoon snack. She was, her husband was running late, so he picked her up late from work, and they went straight to the lecture. And we're going to have dinner after the lecture. Okay? The lecture got out at 10 o'clock at night. She'd eaten breakfast at 7 o'clock in the morning. She had a starving brain. And starving brains reach for what they know. And what her brain knew was alcohol. So she walked out of that lecture and drank. When she had that awakening, um, my sense is, is that there was maybe a sense of relief because you said that she couldn't trust herself. And we see this so much with our clients, even outside of the addiction realm, where they say, I know what to do. I want this. Why can't I do it? Exactly. Well, I just told her biochemically why she couldn't do it. And she never drank again. Once she learned, because she'd been through four treatment programs, okay? She knew it all. She'd been doing her trauma work. She knew all the skills. She could probably be a therapist in one of those programs. But what nobody had told her is that low blood sugar is a relapse trigger. Nobody told her to eat protein. So what we recommend in early recovery is to eat 15 to 20 grams of protein every four hours. And if you're premenstrual, every three hours. Most women, when we um, relapse, we relapse premenstrually. Also turns out that when we get arrested, we tend to get arrested premenstrually too. Wow. <laughs> so th this is a very high risk time in our lives. So all of my um, women, rec recovering women who are still having their periods, I have them circle that time in red and their, you know, planner somehow, so that they know this is a high risk time, they keep their blood sugar even more stable, and maybe bring in um, the amino acid 5-HTP or tryptophan to support serotonin. Because serotonin drops premenstrually as estrogen drops near the end of your cycle. This is what makes it such a dangerous time for people. Mm. And is there a um, preferred form of protein or is it what the people want or like to eat? What do you usually recommend in that? So absolutely what people want and like to eat. It's hard getting 60 to 80 grams of protein a day if you're a vegan. Okay. It's just hard. Um, veganism tends not to be great for our moods. And I'm not going to make a big blanket statement out of there. I'm just going to say tends to. Because um, I know we have a lot of vegans who can thrive being vegans. But a lot of people don't thrive. And this is why, you know, those of you who can, I really do recommend a whole mix of proteins, your plant proteins and your animal proteins and your fish and, 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 because they all contain different amino acids. Um, but we need really 
Well, some of our neurotransmitters have the precursor of just one amino acid. For instance, dopamine requires tyrosine. L-phenylalanine from food turns into tyrosine, which we also get in food, then ultimately turns into dopamine and norepinephrine. That's very easy. However, our endorphins require a whole lot of different amino acids floating around the brain for them to get made. And so we need to be eating a wide variety of aminos. And it's hard to overeat them because they also go elsewhere in the body doing other things as well. I also recommend that people take a good multivitamin from a good company. What do I mean by good? Something that has more than three milligrams of B6 in it. Three milligrams of B6 may keep us from dying, but it's not going to help us thrive. So I recommend something like 25 milligrams of B6. Um, so I teach all of this in my course because the FDA, and this is one of the few times I actually agree with the FDA, they recommend seven to nine servings of fruits and veggies a day to get all the vitamins and minerals and fiber and phytonutrients and everything we need. I know maybe three people who eat nine servings of fruits and veggies a day? I certainly don't. But um, we do actually require it. So this is where the multivitamin comes in because it just sort of fills that gap. So I tell my clients, can we get you at least eating five servings of fruits and veggies a day? Okay, let's get, let's get that done. And then we'll make up the difference with a good multivitamin. People like that. People can do that. Yeah, that also seems to meet people where they're at because I believe it's a Margaret Mead quote. Don't quote me on this, but the um, the quote is that it's easier to change one's religion than one's diet. <laughs> and so I can see where there's some difficulty in, and I have noticed in my own practice, when we talk about diet, there's so much wrapped up in with that. And it can be... Um, it's, it's just culture and there's emotion and there's diet culture and there's all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So when you're working with clients, do you, um, it sounds like you take an approach that meets them where they're at. I, I really try to, and this is actually what makes what you eat a psychotherapeutic issue. Okay, I'm not trying to make nutritionists out of all the psychotherapists out there, but this is a psychotherapeutic issue because Food is about self-care and food is about self-nurturing and nurturing and self-care is a very respectable part of psychotherapy. And when we start talking about food, we then get into childhood and we get into mom and we get into what happened around the dinner table. And so there's a lot of healing mileage we get out of talking about food just therapeutically, you know, much less getting the right nutrients into the brain. That that kind of happens too. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, and who better to talk about food than therapist? However, therapists aren't getting the training. And that is why I'm so glad that you do what you're doing. And that's why we also believe in professional development that is outside of the mainstream, because these, we, who better to talk about that? You're absolutely right. Great point with that. Yeah, yeah. It's a therapeutic issue. 
And we know that when people start taking care of themselves appropriately, self-esteem grows. Feeding oneself is about structure. Well, when people have more structure in their lives, their lives improve and their self-esteem improves and their anxiety goes down. So it all fits together here. Mm -hmm. Which is an integrative model, which we love. And in speaking about this idea of empowering mental health professionals with this knowledge that maybe wasn't provided in our formal education systems or even in like the required continuing education, um, can you tell a little bit more about your academy and the sort of the courses that you all provide in the certifications? Absolutely. So I started the academy in 2015. I'd been teaching some of these courses prior to that for the Alliance and then put it together into the school because people needed more than just a little lecture here and there. And so it's in two parts. The first part is a five-month program where I teach people how to become proficient in the use of amino acid and nutrient therapy, as well as diet because that's the foundation. We always want to begin and end with food, but somewhere in the middle, we may need supplements. Um, That's followed by a four-month internship group, so people have a chance to really practice these skills and build confidence. Um, And there you get your level one certification as a certified recovery nutrition coach. My own certification, but you do have to jump through some hoops. And there's some things that you're able to do with your clients that you've learned through the certification process. And then we have level two, which is an eight month program. And in it, I teach people how to apply the tenets of functional medicine to mental health. So the way functional medicine differs from conventional medicine is that it sees the body as a systemic whole. The brain does not operate separately from digestion and circulation and, 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 okay. So if we, we, we want to start with digestion, because this is where we get our nutrients or not. And so in my course, I go, I look at nutrition, uh, uh, digestion and how to easily support it. I look at food intolerances and food allergies, because of course, those are very close to my heart. Then we look at hormones, thyroid, adrenal, reproductive hormones, and how they impact mental health. We look at inflammation and its role in depression, anxiety, et cetera, as well as just feeling yucky. And yucky can drive relapse because we're feeling yucky. And then toxicity, like heavy metal toxicity, Lyme disease, etc. Even post-COVID now, we're realizing that people recovering from COVID, it may not be impacting their lungs anymore, but it is certainly impacting for some of these long haulers, they're calling them, mood, behavior, and energy. And this is because it's creating brain inflammation. And we actually know what to do about brain inflammation nutritionally. So I teach all of this. And as I tell my students, I'm not trying to make you um, 
mental health nutritionists. Uh, well, no, I'm not trying to make you integrative doctors, right? I may not even been trying to make you a nutritionist. Those of you who want to go there, wonderful. What I'm trying to do, especially in the advanced classes, give you the skills you need to identify when this is going on with your clients, to identify when this primary driver is getting missed, and then know to whom to refer. So part of the certification requirements for level two is to show me a list of providers in your area whom you can partner with so that you don't have to do it all yourself. We get to collaborate. We get to um, have just enough of a skill set to know who else we need to bring onto the team. Well, here's another story for you. This was actually one of my husband's clients. <clears throat> he came in for treatment because his wife was about to divorce him. Because every night, and I do mean every night, he came home from work and he would go into a rage. He would scream and yell and swear at people. He wouldn't hit people, but he did throw furniture and he did put holes in walls. So it was a classic domestic violence scenario. And the very first question my husband asked him was, what did you eat today? Okay. And it turned out that for breakfast, he would have a cup of coffee with a couple of teaspoons of sugar and a pastry. For lunch, he would have a Coke and some potato chips, occasionally a sandwich maybe. He had a chocolate bar on his way home from work. And then boom, he walked through the door and it all exploded. He had a starving, this is what I mean by a starving brain, okay? This man had a starving brain and his blood sugar, which was bumping throughout the day, when blood sugar drops low, adrenaline kicks in. And so what happened is he had his candy bar, raises his blood sugar, but by that point it was bouncing so much that it had dropped, plummeted by the time he walked through his door, the adrenaline had kicked in and he was going off. He had no access to his prefrontal cortex, which requires real fuel and which gets put off line by adrenaline anyway. He had no access to it and he was running on adrenaline. Somebody looked at him sideways and boom, okay? So the very first intervention my husband did was, okay, let's get you eating protein every four hours, breakfast, lunch, mid-afternoon snack and dinner. From that day forth, his rages were no longer in existence. They evaporated. They were gone. They didn't happen. Okay, he now had to work on rebuilding trust with his family because he'd done a lot of damage. But once he was feeding his brain what his brain needed and he was keeping his blood sugar stable, so no adrenaline, people could look at him 10 times sideways and he was okay. I used to um, help run a domestic violence agency. I ran the female part and my colleague ran the male part. Periodically, I would sub for the men. And when I did, I would always give my blood sugar lecture and give them this information and challenge them. I'd say, okay, this week, just this week, I want you to not drink Mountain Dew. That was their drug of choice for most of them. 
because they weren't allowed to drink alcohol anymore. So they switched over to Mountain Dew. Um, just don't drink your Mountain Dew or at least drink less of it. Have protein every four hours and then report back to the group next week what changes you notice. People would stop me. These men, these big burly men, right? Court ordered into treatment would stop me in the hallway with tears in their eyes and say, thank you so much. Why didn't anybody ever tell me this before? Most of them had been diagnosed with intermittent explosive disorder, like my husband's client had been, because it was be like, boom, out of the blue. Well, it wasn't out of the blue, right? It was because their blood sugar had dropped and the adrenaline had kicked in. Same thing with relapses. Relapses don't happen out of the blue. Very often they happen, not always, but very often they happen because blood sugar drops, a stressor hits, the brain doesn't, doesn't have the access to the skills, and the boom is drinking. One, one final story. Love okay, it. We have for one more story? Oh, yeah. Okay. Woman came into my office several years back, sat down on the sofa, looked at me and said, you're number eight. I said, oh, eight what? She said, well, I have had twice daily panic attacks for 10 years. This goes back to your comment about, you know, highly trained mental health professionals will sometimes miss things because we were never taught. She said, I've had twice daily panic attacks for 10 years. I've been to four psychiatrists for them who put me on medication that made me feel crazy and didn't touch the panic attacks. I've been to three psychotherapists who were really helpful in helping me realize I wasn't going to die from the panic attack, help me breathe through it and deal with some of the other stuff in my life, but didn't get rid of the panic attacks. So you're number eight. I said, well, what time of day are your panic attacks upon arising and between four and five o'clock in the afternoon? Hmm. Well, when you eat breakfast, does your morning panic attack go away? Oh, yeah. Come to think of it, it does. Well, what about your, your late afternoon panic attack? Does it go away when you eat dinner? Yeah, it does. Sure. Well, do you eat lunch or mid-afternoon snack? No, I eat really irregularly, you know, or maybe I'll grab some potato chips or something for lunch. Okay, well, here's what's going on in your brain. You don't really have an anxiety disorder. What you have is something called hypoglycemia, probably low blood sugar. Because when your blood sugar drops and it's going to be at its lowest first thing in the morning and at four or five o'clock in the afternoon, if you haven't eaten all day, when blood sugar drops, adrenaline kicks in and adrenaline can cause anxiety in susceptible people, can also call violence in susceptible people, right? And I said, here's what I want you to do. So I told her what I wanted her to do. And we set an appointment for the following week. She calls me five days later, cancels the appointment, says, thank you so much. I have not had one panic attack for the first time in 10 years since I walked out of your office. And so the goal of putting yourself out of a job was, was successful in this case. It was so successful. 
And yeah. And so what- I was number eight. So that meant that seven highly trained mental health professionals before me did the best they knew how to do and didn't know how to help her. Hmm. Yeah. And that that's the part that it's um, the education. And that's why we're trying to do this podcast to show these resources of, yes, there are some things that we can still continue to do because we get into this job because we want to help. We're healers. We want to see our clients reach their goals and to feel and to have well-being. Everyone deserves it. It's a birthright. And, but when we don't feel like we have the tools or when, like you said, well-meaning, very trained, and it's the panic attacks are still there, that doesn't feel good for us. Mm. So I love that you are offering this tool and knowing that, you know, I always recommend starting with the body first. And then, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's not, or sometimes we do, and there's still issues to, right. But and so for, for, for further um, diving in, and it sounds like what you're providing is, I would say, advanced knowledge on this topic. Yes. Um, when is your next course? Because I seek, I want to take it, number one. <laughs> but when, when is it happening, the next sign up? And how does it work? Is it, do we, do we show up to live sessions? Is it, I mean, what's the time commitment? Just a little more info on that before we Absolutely. Go. So it starts in a couple of weeks. It starts February 10th. So on Wednesday, it meets every other Wednesday, unless there's a holiday in the way. But every other Wednesday, I offer two sections, a morning section and an evening section. So the morning section is, so I live on the East Coast, 11 o'clock a.m. in the morning, which would be 8 o'clock Pacific time, 9 o'clock mountain time, etc. And then a little late for us in the evening, 8.15 East Coast time, and which is 5.15 Pacific time. And then each session is two hours. So it's two hours every other week. It's live. It's live online. Okay. So um, people, you know, see my f- smiling face, but it's also recorded so that if you have to miss a, um, a lecture or you want to re-listen to it, you will get the recording. Everything is now through our brand new learning portal. So it's very automated. You can access all your material on that. We have, uh, so every month there is a lecture and then followed two weeks later by what I call case consultation. That's where we go over our learning objectives to make sure everybody has the key key concepts. We talk about cases. We talk about the homework. It's a lot more free-flowing. And then the fifth month, students give their presentations because people who want to go on for the certification do have to present three cases of your own. And so the fifth month is all student presentations. And we're going to link all of your information and websites and also the resources of uh, the books that you mentioned today we'll definitely have in the show notes so uh, p- people will be able to very easily access the course and also um, you <laughs> if they yeah, want to reach great. out we'll, we'll also put your LinkedIn on there and um, before we close I just want to offer um maybe a little space for integration because we did talk about a lot and um, 
maybe if there's something, if you, if there's something you'd like to leave our listeners with that feels right to say, uh, we also have a tradition because personal and professional development is super important and often learning just includes, uh, like, you know, some like left brain stuff and we talk a lot, but we like the idea of integrating and creating some experiential experiential Mm -hmm. process because that really helps with, with learning. And so we also invite you to share maybe a tip, a technique, or even a practice that we can, um, practice ourselves, take home with us, and then maybe even use Mm -hmm. in sessions with clients. Any of those feel right to you? Yes, but you know, since this whole conversation has really been about food, it's really about tuning into your body and noticing what's happening. And if things feel out of whack, to ask yourself, hey, when was the last time I ate protein? And if you have a client walk into your office who's all over the place and just can't settle down, And for instance, I had this bipolar guy who'd been as sweet as a kitten the whole time. But this one time he walked in and this rage, it was just boiling out of him. And I just wanted like, okay, okay, let's let's, let's scoot back here a little bit. I heard about this in him, but I had never seen it. And so he said, well, John, when was the last time you ate protein today? So it was two o'clock in the afternoon. And he said, well, I meant to have lunch. I really did, but I didn't get to it. So it was seven o'clock this morning. I said, hmm, let me feed you. And so I fed him. And it was a miracle. Within 10, 15 minutes of this man eating in session, he turned back into a teddy bear. All of that angry energy, right? It was frightening. And it literally was frightening. It was gone. And he was just the nicest person. And he looked at me and he said, Oh, my God, I can't tell you how many times that's happened in the past. And I never knew it was because I'd skipped a meal. But that was the last time he skipped a meal. So feed your clients, feed them in session. If they need it, it makes such a huge difference. Oh, I love that. Thank you. And it also reminds me like for us to feed ourselves, what I've seen is a lot of um, clinicians, social workers, even if we're in agencies or in our own practice, we'll do back to back to back to back to backs and very rarely will snack or don't feel like they can in front of their clients. And so that's also an invitation for us to eat. (laughs) Yeah. Like maybe with the client say, hey, I'm doing my um, protein so I can regulate my moods and feed my brain. Are you cool with that? Would you like to eat with me? Like I've, I have, especially during telehealth, found myself um, with my time that it's to eat. Mm-hmm. And I'll just I say, do you mind if I have a small snack? When I used to work with kids, it was a therapeutic tool because I was focusing in on my food and they wouldn't feel like I was staring straight at them. So I love that idea. How do you sneak in? How do you make sure that you're getting your protein four hours every four or three? I really keep tuned in to myself. You know, I I learned, I trained myself to do this a long time ago to just do a really quick body scan periodically and come back home. Right, come back home. And in the process of coming back home, you might notice that you're lightheaded or that your brain's all over the place or that you actually feel hungry. Like, ah, okay. 
And then I try to make sure that I have food on hand that's healthy, that's easy. When I had my office in Denver before I moved to West Virginia, because I'm doing everything to have a health now anyway, but I had a refrigerator stocked with food, both for myself as well as for my clients. Hmm. Good, healthy food. Yeah. yeah. And you said, come home and listen and tune in and just really knowing your body. And I, and you mentioned before in that we all have different biochemistry and histories and cultures and um, who even knows, maybe karmic, you know, energy or ancestral. And I love this idea that you can also listen and get to know your body and understand what it needs and when, and that, yes, there's research and evidence, but also that you can be an expert in your body. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah thank yeah. you for that. You're and welcome. thank you for everything that you shared today. And I really hope that if anyone is interested, interested in getting this advanced knowledge in this way to, to be the best clinicians that we can be possible for our clients, then um, to check out the course I know I've learned a great deal just by talking to you these last couple of times. So thank you so much. Well, you're so welcome. And I just want to leave all your listeners with this. <clears throat> we have a early bird special going on right now, but if this airs after that special is over, you are, if you um, make a note and call me, I will make sure that because you're a listener of this podcast, you will still get the early bird special. Oh, thank you. And we can also post that on the show notes too. And by the way, CEUs, you do get CEUs through taking the courses. Hey, that's always a benefit (laughs) because we need them. Oh, thank you so much, Christina. I really appreciate it. Great chatting with you. Yes. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us for today's conversation with Christina Vasilek in Nutrition and Addiction Recovery. We really hope that you enjoyed, learned, and grew from today's conversation. Um, As promised, we wanted to offer our discount code for 15% off of any of the courses in our course library, and that code is New Beginnings. You can visit our website, www.academyimh.com, find our courses, and browse, see what interests you. And if you do sign up, don't forget to use the code new beginnings for 15% off. We also want to hear from you. Do you have any suggestions, comments, or feedback on the podcast? Were you interested in being a guest or do you know somebody who you think would be a great guest? Do you have any ideas about future topics? We would love to hear. Please hit us up info at academyimh.com, or you can use the contact us form on our website. Thank you so much. Take care.